You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. You can get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at blueberry.com. That's like a blueberry without the E's. So it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Yes, welcome Into Tomorrow and a very happy new year. Delighted that you've tuned into the program. This, by the way, will mark our 27th year On the air, covering the latest in consumer tech. Today and into tomorrow, as the announcer dude said, I am Dave Graveline. I am Chris Graveline. And I am Cameron Graveline. How about that? Three generations of Gravelines to start the new year. Bringing you into tomorrow. And what starts next week? On this very broadcast, our coverage from the much smaller CES in Las Vegas. <laughs> yes. The Consumer Electronics Show, that they don't want us to call it that. They say it's just CES. It doesn't stand for anything. Although a listener last week said it's the COVID Electronics Show. Yeah. So we'll see. But it should be not so well attended. But we're going to be there. And we're going to bring it to you, because what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas when it's on into tomorrow. That's true. We bring it to you. But we want to remind you, as you're listening to today's broadcast, which will include some interviews and calls that you perhaps have not heard, because we're in Vegas as you hear this, preparing the show, recording a ton of interviews and doing all sorts of fun stuff that you may or may not have heard, but you will want to hear when we get back from CES. We want to remind you... Want free goodies? All you have to do is participate and win. And use message to studio button in our free app. Click the Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com or call us at any time at 800-899-4686. That's 800-899-INTO. If you make it on the air, we'll share some more of our cool prizes with you. And, of course, again, as we're bringing our CES coverage, you may have some questions on some of the things you're hearing, some comments. Uh, some Maybe you've tried one of the products we're covering, and it didn't quite live up to what it uh, was saying. So call us and let us know or ask us, and oh. we'll get answers to you. Oh, did you just talk about the way we talk? So if I go AMS, ASMR, will they question me? So stay tuned at intotomorrow.com. Ooh, yeah. Bob in El Paso, Texas, listens to the free Into Tomorrow podcast. You can sign up for them as well. Did I mention they're free and also no charge when you hit us up at intotomorrow.com? Hey, Bob. Hey, Dave. We really like to use some of these social distancing Internet platforms like Zoom. But the problem with Zoom is it's uh, 40 minutes for the free version. We're looking for some alternative. Can you suggest something that's good that allows families to talk together besides some of the more popular ones that require a subscription? 
Sure. I mean, other than in person, if you can, as a family. Uh, but I get where you're coming from, Bob. Google Meet should work well for your needs. Their tiled view can show up to 16 participants at a time. If your family members could connect to Zoom, they should be able to easily connect to Google Meet using the same devices, computer, desktop, laptop, tablet, phone, what have you. Google's been pushing it pretty hard lately, so you're unlikely to run into any annoyances until they conquer more market share and want to maybe try to monetize it more. But for the most part, you can do it. Skype, of course, has gotten pretty clunky and very bloated, if you will. But it should also work for the family, too. Yeah, now, if your family already uses WhatsApp, you can uh, also do video conferences there, which might spare them from having to download an extra app. Microsoft Teams might work for you as well. It's a little more of a corporate tool meant to help with collaboration on Office documents, but you can ignore that part and just use the video. Uh, Other ways of connecting with family is with uh, Facebook Messenger. They have a video chat option. Snapchat has video chat as well. Uh, There you can play games and add filters to your video output. FaceTime is another choice if you happen to use Apple devices. Yeah, but if you're not an iPhone-y, FaceTime's not an option. Yeah, well... But if you're an iPhone-y like you guys. If you're smart and use iPhones, you use FaceTime. No, no. But, yeah, it has filters, too, which now you can make your conversations a little more fun. There are many, many others, but most of the good ones have the same problem Zoom has for your use case. They're marketed towards businesses, and obviously they have limits. Yeah, it's like Whereby. It's a pretty good uh, service, but has a low amount of participants on the free accounts. Blue Jeans costs less than Zoom per month, but it has no free version. WebEx feels like something that somebody forgot to keep updating about five years ago. Ago, <laughs> and the free version will cut you off after less than an hour. Um, and go to meeting has no free version. Now the good news is that there's probably plenty of options, even if most products are aimed towards paid use for business. Yeah. Mark in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, listens on AM 800 CKLW. They're also known as the Information Station. Hello, Mark. How do I know if it's my router or my modem that's causing the issue because I have some devices that work and some stay connected but no internet? Oh, well, if some work and some don't, it's your router. The routing a router does is in part routing internet requests back to the devices that made them. The modem doesn't take care of that part. The devices that don't work may have their own settings issues too, so don't forget to check those as well. Yeah, if you want to check and see if your modem is doing its job, plug in your computer via network cable directly to it and check at the source. If you get a solid Internet connection, then your modem is working as it should, and you can go ahead and replace your router. There you go. I hope that helps you out, Mark, because a lot of times routers are the issues, and when you can, try to update those items. Joe in Durham, North Carolina, listens on News Radio 680 WPTF. Hello, Joe. I just wanted to alert you so that you can notify your listeners that I've been getting junk email that claims it's from the U.S. Census Bureau. And I know the U.S. Census Bureau doesn't send you emails asking you to complete a survey. I haven't responded because I believe that this would just be to my detriment and anyone's detriment who responds. So I just wanted to warn your listeners to beware. Well, and you have done just that, Joe. Thank you very much. And, and of course, Chris found this from the actual Census Bureau. If you get an email and think it's bogus, 
Do not reply. Do not click on any links. And do not open any attachments. What should you do then? Forward the email or website URL to the Census Bureau. They say it's at ois.fraud.reporting at census.gov. But we'll have this on our site at intotomorrow.com. So well, because everybody won't remember yeah. that? No, of course That's not. Sure. Yeah. Typical government email address. I just yeah. read it. I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> Something about census.gov. Yeah. But yeah. And, then, and then delete the message. They said that they'll investigate and notify you of the findings. Yeah, if there are any findings. Steve in Lake Villa, Illinois, listens to the free Into Tomorrow podcast that you can sign up for as well at intotomorrow.com. And we love you, Steve, calling in using the free Into Tomorrow app. My wife convinced me into buying a, a two-pack of smart plugs. I didn't know what I'd use it for. I kind of use it on my backup coffee maker, my K-Reg it doesn't really work on. Mm-hmm. What do you think best use for a smart plug or a couple smart plugs? Lost for what I could do with these. I think that's very cool, though, that your wife got them for you. So, And I think it's even more cool that you're trying to justify a use for them. So we're here to help you out. Well, I think his wife made him get them for her. Oh, that could be. That's what he well, was saying. Well, in, in which case, we're, we've got some uh, tips for you, Steve. That it's pretty much up to what you need to automate. So it sounds more like a question, I guess, maybe for your wife, if she's the one who wanted them. Uh, what we can tell you is that normally they're mostly useful for something like a lamp, just something simple that you want to turn on or off. Usually you'll get more out of them if you can automate something in some way. Uh, for example, like I said, if you plug some lamps into those smart plugs, you might might be able to get them to turn on after sunset or uh, but or only if you're home for example or turn on when you're a block away and getting home so it's already lit yeah, and you can use them for some other things that are interesting for some users. For example, to turn on an AC unit if you have wall, window, or split units. But those normally require higher amp models, which aren't very common. Um, you can set just about any unit to control fans, dehumidifiers, and other common gadgets, though. Devices in the kitchen, like a coffee maker, can be completely automated with a smart plug. You can turn it on in the morning as you're getting ready for the day, saving you time. If you're thinking ahead, it could also be used for holiday decorations, making sure they're on at night so you don't have to remember yourself. In fact, I have a smart plug that I plug my Christmas tree in, and I walk in my house and I say, Alexa, turn on the Christmas tree, and it comes on. Oh, okay. Or you could set it with a timer to just turn on, but it makes more sense if you arrive home at different times, and then just tell her to turn it on. Now, it can also save you money by cutting off any power that's left on standby. Smart plugs can also work with radio. So you can set it to turn on whenever we're on the air, for example, so you never miss our show. Now, your wife must have been thinking about some uses when she convinced you to buy them, though. So is there anything that she'd like to automate or control remotely? If so, that really should be your answer. I think it should be. And, Steve, you'd do well to keep the wife happy, especially since you got the smart plugs now. We gave you a whole bunch of ideas, and there are many more. Maybe some others listening have some other tips. How do you use a smart plug? Certainly one of the less expensive ways... Uh, to utilize some home automation goodies is a smart plug. You're not having to get bigger devices or, you know, other things. Let us know, and we'll pass it on to Steve on the air. Greg in Manchester, Tennessee, listens online. Welcome into tomorrow, Greg. My question is for this New Edge browser. Um, I got a notification on my computer. I need to update my Internet Explorer browser. 
so anyway, I'm just wanting to know more of what you know about the Edge browser. If it, why is it better? Well, I don't know that it's better, Greg, but once upon a time, IE accounted for 95% of the traffic websites would see, that Internet Explorer, you may recall. These days, as you're experiencing, even Microsoft wants off of it. Microsoft is still supporting IE, at least until Windows 10 loses support, but they're not really keeping it updated to where it can compete with other modern browsers. IE doesn't support many standards that every other browser does, so it's not rare to run into pages that just will not work under the old Internet Explorer. Yeah, most sites, but also web-based services, are not bothering to support IE anymore because the user base is understood to have shrunk to pretty small levels, but also because it's genuinely expensive to support it. The lack of compatibility with modern standards means that some things that work for every other browser will not work with IE, and it might need to add lots of uh, brittle workarounds or even duplicate features. Edge, on the other hand, is reskinned Chromium, the engine that Google's Chrome uses. Chrome is the current standard browser on computers and the one that has the most widespread support. That means that switching over to Edge will pretty much guarantee that most sites will work with your computer. Of course, at the moment, if you want to stick with IE 11, you should be good. It's still getting security updates for the moment, but your overall online experience will be worse. Yeah, in fact, because I've got the four main browsers all on my computer. I've got uh, Firefox, which I use the most. I've got Chrome, which I then use probably the second most. Hmm. And then I've got Opera. And then way down at the end, I've got Edge. Yeah, the newer Edge, because it's better than IE, though it's still not as good as Firefox and Chrome. Right. Firefox is still my browser of choice and has been for years, ever since um, Netscape Navigator was pulled off the market. I've moved to Firefox. (laughs) And of course, if you're a Mac person, you're likely using Safari, but a lot of Mac people are also using Chrome and Firefox. Right, and it stands to reason that I would like Firefox because those of us who are fans of Netscape, Netscape sort of morphed into Firefox. Yeah, right. That's the Mozilla whole thing there. So it's an interesting question, Greg, and and I hope that you're not stuck with IE uh, too much longer because there are so much. Every other browser, even ones you probably haven't heard of, are a lot better than Internet Explorer ever was. Yeah, and all the popular browsers and 90% of every other browser are all free anyway. Oh, so. of course. Yeah, so if, so you don't have, if you don't have Chrome, download it. Or Firefox or, or even Opera. Uh, very good, stable browsers, and your websites will look fine. If you've got a question similar to Greg's, or maybe you want to offer some additional input for any of our callers, we love listeners helping other listeners, We want to hear from you, and it's very easy, not just because when you call in, you win stuff. That's a given. 800-899-4686. That's 800-899-INTO. Details at intotomorrow.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in 
manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Cameron Graveline. Don't forget to call in win stuff. You can call the Ask Dave hotline at 1-800-899-INZU. That's 800-899-4686. You can also use the message to our studio button in our free app or click the Ask Dave microphone at intotomorrow.com. Now, back to the big guys. Oh, well, thank you. And, and a very happy new year to you, Cameron. Thank you. And to all of our listeners. You too. Well, thank you. Appreciate mm. that. So if you're the big guy, he must be the little guy, I guess. Does that make me the medium guy? Nope. <laughs> no, that's the big guy. That's the medium guy, and I'm the... Oh, yeah. Well, I'm the big guy, apparently. Yeah. Well, weight-wise. <laughs> okay. That's, <laughs> that's what we're doing. So anyway, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm fat guy Chris Graveline. Oh, gee, I wouldn't say that, but... It's... And I'm the coolest one on the show, Cameron Graveline. And I'm just the host, Dave You're the Graveline. guy who signs the paychecks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one who pays the bills. Yeah. Boy, yeah, yeah. So don't forget uh, next week to stay tuned for our, uh, part one of uh, at least three parts of CES specials from Vegas. That's true. If, because if, if by the time we get there, well, when you hear this, we will be there having been doing a whole lot of interviews. But hopefully by the time we arrive in Las Vegas for CES, we hopefully will get a whole lot of interviews done as long as people are still in attendance. That's perfect because what I was about to say is tune in next week as we start our broadcast from CES in Las Vegas. We'll have three weeks of worth of coverage right here on Into Tomorrow. Very true. Sorry, I stole your thunder. Yes. <laughs> this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by our podcast partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. Check them out if you're looking to start a podcast. Visit blubrry.com. <laughs> Andrea in Windsor, Ontario, listens on AM 800 CKLW, calling in using the Into Tomorrow app. We love you for that. i like to know, why is my iPhone 6S shutting down all the time? This is just recent, and all the uploads are on. I mean, you know how you have to download something? All that is on. It just keeps shutting off periodically. And I looked also, the battery is good, so it's driving me crazy. Thank you. Well, if you're like me, it's a short drive, so I can understand where you're coming from. And the problem is that it's an iPhone. Get an Android. You won't have that problem. But we will address your concern, Andrea. There are a couple of things that can cause a phone to shut down seemingly at random. And, of course, you mean updates that you were talking about. If it has all the current updates, um, it'll be hard for the operating system itself to be causing it. But you can try resetting the phone to factory settings if you're desperate enough to 
to put up with setting it up from scratch again. The most likely causes, though, are hardware faults. The battery is, of course, the most obvious one with an older phone like the iPhone 6S, but you say you've ruled that out. Yeah. Now, any crack in any board can cause random shutdowns as well. Um, if that's the cause, there's really not much you can do about it. You won't be able to replace the main internal components of your phone for a price that makes more sense than just replacing the whole phone. Given that it's an iPhone, taking it into an Apple store for a diagnosis by their uh, <clears throat> genius bar. Yeah, air quotes, uh, genius yeah, bar. Would probably be smart when you're able to. Um, even if you don't want to spend the money to fix it there, they'll probably be able to tell you what the source of the problem is. And you can make your decision based on that. If a reset to factory settings doesn't work and it's a hardware problem, keep in mind that it might not be worth fixing. Yeah. At that point, it it is such an older phone, Andrea, that you might want to consider a newer model. It doesn't mean the newest model. I always buy the last model. I'm I'm always a model behind because I wait till they're a little bit cheaper. Yeah. And they are because they want to sell the newest model. And that's fine. Let all your friends and relatives and other people deal with the bugs and the problems that the brand new model may have. You get the one after that that's already had the bugs worked out and the appropriate updates. But let us know what works out for you in the long run because I'm very curious. Now, into tomorrow's favorite app of the week. What's your favorite app? Well, Danny has a new one that she contributed to the show this week. Her new favorite app is Noom. That's how you say it? Like noon with an M. Right. Okay. It's difficult to stay healthy, usually even more difficult during these hard times. But if you ever want to try losing weight, Noom, Chris is shaking his head no, Noom is an app you may want to consider. After signing up, setting your goal weight, answering just a few questions, and picking a payment plan, the app lets you log what you eat. And you document your weight. You offer, they offer healthy recipes, tips and tricks, and even has a personal coach that you can reach to stay motivated. Pretty cool, if you ask me. So that's called Noom, and it's Danny's App of the Week. Do check it out. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or visit Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 26th year, bringing you the latest in cool gadgets and gizmos, products and services, all sorts of tech available today and into tomorrow. I want to remind you to visit us anytime at your leisure at intotomorrow.com. Be sure to snag the free app available for Android and iPhones. And when you're at intotomorrow.com, a little box pops up. If you enter just your email address, you can subscribe to our free once-a-week tech newsletter, which, cleverly enough, has tech news, lets you know who's on the show this week. We also, of course, share some hmm thoughts to make you smile, and a whole bunch of other goodies, including the prizes available 
available that week and so forth. So do sign up for that. And uh, you can always unsubscribe. It's very easy. Not that anyone does because we don't spam anybody. And in fact, when you put your email address in that box at intotomorrow.com, you'll get a subsequent email that says click here because we don't spam you. And we want to make sure it's a double opt-in thing. And when you click there, boom, you're in and you get our tech newsletter. Again, that's at intotomorrow.com. Today, more than 3 billion people play games around the world. Gaming, of course, uh, we talk about on the show a lot, is a $200 billion industry and the fastest-growing form of entertainment. Our next guest led the team that brought us the Xbox some 20 years ago and is celebrating the release of his new fiction novel, The Wilkes Insurrection. Very cool book, by the way. Author of The Wilkes Insurrection is Robbie Bach. Robbie, welcome into tomorrow. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Uh, It's my pleasure. First of all, am I pronouncing it? It is The Wilkes Insurrection, correct? It is indeed. You you got it just perfect. Okay. And your last name, too, I hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's been pronounced lots of different ways, but it's just like the composer. Good. Very good. I should have asked before we were on the air, but I assumed correctly for a change. Uh, some of the things that I find fascinating uh, about your book, and, I, and I'm going to get into you know some of the other stuff, especially uh, you being part of the team that started Xbox and so forth, is the description on the main page of your website for wilkesinsurrection.com. It's almost as if you wrote it today. Uh, but this is something that I understand your your novel, while it so closely mirrors real-life environment in the U.S. today, the initial storyline was written years ago, was it not? It was. I started writing the book in 2016. So if you think about that, that's before the Trump-Clinton election. Yeah. Um, so it seems like eons ago, given everything that's happened. <laughs> yes. And it is a little bit surreal. So many of the things I wrote about that I thought were, let me put it this way, a little bit out there, um, turned out not to be out there at all. Hmm. Good point. And in fact, I've got to share this with our audience just so that they can get the the idea of the kinds of things that, that you've written about here in this novel. An elusive extremist hell-bent on destroying America. A woman of uncommon valor haunted by her tragic past. A dark web hacker confronting his conscience. A failed intelligence officer in search of redemption. Boy, if that doesn't grab your attention and go, holy cow, wait a minute, he didn't write this like last week? (laughs) It's, It's so like spot on. And yet you said back in 2016, so... Talk about theater of the mind, which a lot of people describe as great for radio and certainly great for fiction. What brought you to this contemporary thriller? Well, what got me started here, I suppose, is some of the creativity I experienced when we were creating the Xbox and thinking about things like Xbox Live and creating a environment for people to share and play games together. And then you you start with some characters, and I literally you describe four of the characters in the in the book there. And I, re- I wrote almost 100 pages that was just about the characters right from the very beginning. Wow. And then I started to see how those characters would mix in uh, maybe not today's world in 2016, but in the world that I saw coming. And the result of that was the Wilkes Insurrection. And it's, um, uh, it's awesome from a thriller perspective because it's a page turner. 
but it's also deep on the characters and the characters have, if I can use the video game pun, a lot of 3d dimension to them. <laughs> and uh, I think that makes it interesting. It's the interaction between the characters and the plot that makes it a, a, a great thriller. And, and what does uh, the Wilkes have to do with the insurrection? <laughs> How well, did that come the, about? <clears throat> the bad guy in the story, his name is Ford Wilkes. Okay. Um, so that's where you get Wilkes insurrection. And You'll you'll note on the cover there's a picture of the of the Lincoln Memorial. So mm-hmm. Wilkes is a bit of an ode back to um, John Wilkes Booth, if you if you will. Oh, uh, so there's uh, and then there's the Ford Theater where Lincoln was killed. So you get some idea of sort of the historical undertones, even though the book is a contemporary thriller. Gotcha. And to talk about video games again, since you helped bring us the Xbox, wow, twenty years ago does does that make you feel old? It certainly does me <laughs> make us feel yeah, old. It, I mean, on the one hand, it, it absolutely makes me feel feel old. I, you know, time has passed. It's it's sort of crazy. I'm going to turn sixty this year, and yet at the same time, I think back twenty years, and I think, you know, what would have happened in the pandemic if the pandemic had happened in two thousand and one when the Xbox launched. Hmm. And think about how much technology has changed in that 20 years. It's actually kind of mind-blowing. I mean, Xbox Live, our, our social online gaming network, was before MySpace. It was before Facebook. Jeez. All these things that didn't exist. <laughs> Cell phones were, were just starting to become broadly popular. Yeah. So you start to realize how far we have come from a technological perspective. Unbelievable. And and where do you see, as a result, video games, or, or for that matter, tech in general, heading into tomorrow? I mean, we, you know, because of the pandemic changes, uh, not so much or, you know, better, worse. Where do you see us going? Well, I think in the pandemic, video games was a was a great haven for people, not just because it was a distraction for things for them to do, but it's also a place for them to meet their friends. Uh, and to engage with people in a safe environment. And I think what you're seeing in the gaming space is the is gaming becoming increasingly social, increasingly about the interaction with people. And one of the things that I think is cool about it when you compare it to, say, uh, movies, for example, um, there's much more interaction between the people who are engaged in the game. And I think when you start talking about... Um, people use the word metaverse to describe these 3D virtual worlds. You're going to see more of that, and we're going to have the opportunity to experience that in, in very rich ways with our friends and family and, and even meet new people that way. And, Robbie, I think you hit something. You hit the nail on the head. It's something very important that you just talked about, and that is the whole point of being and being allowing people to be more social, unlike what I call all the time these days the anti-social media <laughs> that is some of the worst things that have happened to this country, I think, is Twitter and Facebook and so forth in general. But yes, when you're talking about playing a game and immersing yourself in a game with friends or even people who you've never met and they might be halfway around the world, but the interaction with them and the social interaction with them is far better than just tweeting, for example. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I always... People always ask me, well, is, is that technology good or bad? And my response is always, hey, look, technology is neutral. 
people are good or bad. <laughs> and so some people use technology for positive things. Some people use it in a, in a negative way. So my, my belief when it comes to all this technology, whether it's gaming or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, there are things about it that are powerful for good. And, and there's ways in which it can be used that, that are uh, really bad for the country and, and bad for our culture. In the video game case, you know, that, that interaction, that ability to talk with somebody, to see them, to laugh with them. And, and, and by the way, you, you're, you, you actually do get to see them. It's powerful. Yeah. And I think the more we, we can bring technology to bring us together, as opposed to using technology to separate us, uh, we'll be in a much better off place. We're chatting with Robbie Bach, the author of The Wilkes Insurrection. It's a contemporary thriller that you definitely should check out. Check out his website for the book, WilkesInsurrection.com. And, of course, we'll get you there when you visit us at IntoTomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline. Stay tuned. There's more with Robbie right after this. If you don't have final expense insurance, this message is for you. LifeCare provides valuable whole life insurance to help cover final expenses, medical bills, burial costs, and unpaid debt. A final expense insurance policy is fast, easy, affordable life insurance, available to anyone between the ages of 50 and 80. No medical exams, no lengthy questionnaires, and no waiting period. Call LifeCare at 800-956-0683. 800-956-0683. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. We're talking with the author of The Wilkes Insurrection, Robbie Bach. How has your time, do you think, in big tech influenced your writing? How do you see technology impacting today's issues? Well, you know, certainly in in The Wilkes Insurrection, there's a whole subplot about what's going on in the dark web. There's an augmented reality company called Cybernoptics that plays a a role in the book. There's a, a great boardroom scene in the book. So it tries to encompass what's going on in, in our world today. And, you know, look, we, we usually think I'm a big World War II fan. And we think, oh, you know, world, the World War and all of that and how sad and terrifying it was and crazy. And I think about the next challenges we face. Many of those are going to be in the cyber world. True. And so we have to we have to sort of gear up for that. We have to first understand it and then understand how to how to protect ourselves and how to create a, a positive environment. And the Internet is a wonderful place and it does have this dark underside. And of course, being an author, it's all about creativity. And you certainly express that in the Wilkes Insurrection. Uh, how important do you think that is in business and art for that matter? Well, it's something that when, when I went to business school, if you said, well, how important is creativity? I'm not sure I would have understood the question. <laughs> and having been at Microsoft for 22 years and seeing the creative minds at work there and the team that created Halo and the team that created Xbox Live, you realize that it takes um, intense curiosity, intense willingness to experiment and indeed creativity to come up with these new approaches and new ideas. And that doesn't matter whether you're a giant company or a small startup, you need that creative spark uh, to drive things. It's what's been wonderful for me about writing is it's enabled me to explore that. And I was traditionally sort of the business guy on the team Hmm. and it's enabled me to explore that creative side of my, my character. 
Wow. Well, now the launch of your first work of fiction. I'm wondering how it is that you went from being a business leader in all the years in big tech to a novelist. I mean, did something happen in the tech world that you thought, okay, enough of that. Let me do something different. Or what was the impetus there? Well, when I when I left Microsoft, I left because I wanted to engage in a bunch of new activities. The, the primary one being what I call civic engineering, which is engaging with nonprofits and community organizations to try to help make our communities and our states and our country a better place. I do a lot of work with Boys and Girls Clubs of America. Uh, I work with an organization called the Bipartisan Policy Center and a number of other uh, nonprofits. And so that was the primary focus. And then I started writing about strategy and trying to help these organizations develop their strategy. My first book was a nonfiction book called Xbox Revisited, which is a civic and, and, and business strategy book. And I discovered, shockingly, Dave, that I love to write. And when I sat down in 2016 to write a second book, I decided I didn't want to write nonfiction again. I wanted to really challenge myself to do something I'd never done before. So how do you develop a character? How do you write a plot? How do you describe a scene? How do you create a, an environment? Uh, that to me was just, you know, sort of made my head explode at first, but it was uh, a new opportunity, a new outlet, much like, you know, an entrepreneur who's decided, hey, I'm going to go after a new marketplace. And and it seems, Robbie, much like creating a game, a video game, because it is that creativity as well. you got to start with maybe an idea, hopefully an idea, and then branch right. out from there and develop characters and do the same sort of thing in plots and, and scenes. And it, it seems like it parallels more than many other industries might uh, for someone who then aspires to do what you did and become an, an author of a novel. Well, if you talk to people who create video games, they will tell you, oh, this is obviously true in, in movies and, and to a large degree, even true in music. They will tell you it's about telling a story. And even in my corporate life, I learned that the most powerful way to motivate people was through storytelling. Because people remember that. You know, yeah. putting a, a slogan up on the wall, people don't remember, but a story they remember. And so for me... This extension of storytelling from my nonfiction business world into the fiction world is just a continuation of the power of, of storytelling and how people remember things and how it impacts the way they live. Well, Robbie, what's next for you? What can we expect uh, coming from Robbie Bach next as we head further into tomorrow? Well, I, I expect as I get past the holiday season and get into January and February, I'll sit down back at the computer again. My main character in the Wilkes Insurrection is Major Tamika Smith. Um, she's uh, in the Air Force. She uh, goes on to advance her career after the Air Force. She's an amazing character, and I, I suspect she has more stories to tell. We'll see. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping I'll, I'll have the creative juices flowing, but uh, you kind of have to get there before you, before you decide. Yo, for sure. Robbie, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. You're fun to talk with, and I look forward to getting you back on again. Dave, happy to do it anytime. Really enjoyed it. Uh, terrific. Again, Robbie Bach and the Wilkes Insurrection. The website is wilkesinsurrection.com. And, of course, we'll link you there when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline, bringing you further into tomorrow. Stay tuned. Much more right here on the Advanced Media Network.
Now that we're home more than ever, we need to feel safe. Call it a sign of the times or the world we now live in. What do you want to keep safe? Wouldn't it be nice to have tested, trusted 24-7 protection? Peace of mind, real protection that's always there for you and your whole family? Well, now you can with one of our state-of-the-art home security systems. Call 800-970-8405. That's 800-970-8405. Thank you for tuning in to Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And I'm the cool guy, Cameron Graveline. And we welcome you in this new year, the very first broadcast of Into Tomorrow for the year 2022. Most importantly, however, we want you to be sure and stay tuned starting next week on this very broadcast, podcast, stream, however you hear the show. We'll be bringing you part one of very likely at least three weeks worth of CES coverage. As long as there's enough exhibitors out there, by the time you hear this, we're already out there doing interviews, but we're recording this before we leave, obviously, in our studios so that we're hopeful that there'll still be some exhibitors left to talk to. <laughs> and we'll be recording all of our interviews on video. So you want to stop by into tomorrow.com and check out the videos of each of the interviews as well. Yes, because we're not only showing you the guests, but most people go, well, that's nice. Oh, okay, that's what he or she looks like. But more importantly, the products that they're introducing. Because a lot of cool new stuff comes from CES. Yes. Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, speaking of New Year's Eve, that I was about to say the first thing, but that's actually the first thing. But the second best thing about 2022, 2021's over! <laughs> yes! We're closer to getting COVID over. Woo! Yeah, boy. Because right now we're literally stuck in, our, and it's just terrible. We're stuck in our houses. You have to wear a mask. And, uh, of course, I got my. Um, I'm fully vaccinated now. I needed an applause, please. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. And your dad and I are both uh, boosted. I'm getting my booster soon once they make one. I don't, for, you're not supposed <laughs> yeah. to get a booster at nine years old. I said when they make one. Oh, when they make one for kids. Yeah, totally. Very, very true. Okay. Smart, man. <laughs> this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. If you'd like more information, text the word radio to 35000. Let's go to Sadie in Jacksonville, Florida, up the road a further piece, listening to the podcasts. Oh, and we love you for it, Sadie, calling in using the Into Tomorrow app. What are some affordable, good quality air purifiers out there that remove pet dander, mold, mildew, and pollen particles from the air? And what should I be looking for when purchasing an air purifier, such as like features, to know that it's going to be a good quality product? Oh, that's a different question. I, I like the variety of questions our listeners are coming up with lately. It still involves tech, so it's what we cover. Well, Sadie, it depends on what you need it for and, of course, what room you intend to put it in. For the issues that you mentioned, though, we do have a couple of recommendations for air purifiers that won't break the bank. First one is Germ Guardian uh, AC4825. They have convoluted model numbers and stuff. This one costs just under $100, has three different filters, a carbon filter, true HEPA, high efficiency particulate air 
filter and a UVC or an ultraviolet C light. This one is great for smaller rooms. Now, next on the O-Ion 4-in-1 True HEPA Air Purifier is another one. This one's just under $60, comes with the same three filters. A nice plus is that it consumes low amounts of energy. Now, you might want to also check out the Holmes HEPA-type desktop air purifier. This one's about 40 bucks and much smaller to fit onto a table. And if you stop by intotomorrow.com, we've got some more information for you, including uh, the answer to your question about uh, what you can look for when purchasing. Yeah, do us a huge favor and let us know what ended up working best for you. Intotomorrow.com. 